As we prepare to hear God's word, let's first pause um, and ask God to open our hearts and minds as we pray for illumination. God, we pause and turn aside to listen for your voice and to see the light that has come into the world. And I pray that the light of your presence and the speech of the Holy Spirit would be our main concern in this moment, in this time, so that we might hear your gracious and truthful voice for us speaking, ever speaking. So speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. Um, Peg Niskern in a moment is going to come up and, and read part of the scripture passage, but I wanted to set a word of context before we dive into that. We'll be hearing today the story of Jesus' own baptism, and this story will tell in two sequences. The first, the sequence about John the Baptist and his baptism that he was providing for the repentance of sins, and then the second is Jesus' own baptism. And the word of context is that this story takes place in a time where the people of Israel are deeply longing and yearning for God, longing to hear God's voice and see God and experience God. Because up until this point, they've been kicked out of their homeland and brought back in, and they're really wrestling with where is God and who we are, are we as a people, and how do we follow God faithfully? And the religious leaders are all divisive on this topic and, and giving mixed messages and heaping up demands upon the people who are just yearning to hear and know God and know how to follow God. And so John appears in the wilderness, this eclectic character, inviting the people to turn aside and come for a baptism, a washing for the repentance as a symbol of the repentance of sins. Because as John says, the kingdom, God has come into the world. And so when we hear this story, hear it in the context of John inviting people to come in near to the God who's come into the world, and also saying a word to the religious leadership that has not followed in the way that they should in leading God's people, pushing them aside and say, You're coming, you have to come to this place not just as another religious thing to do. You have to come here because your hearts want to come near to God. Because God's first move to you, come, come, with your heart that is seeking after God. So hear this passage from the Gospel of Matthew, first about John's baptism and then Jesus' own baptism. Our lesson this morning is from, our, from Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and Judea were going out to him and all the region along Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees 
coming for baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestors, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now, the ax is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water from repentant, for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord. is Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17. Let's listen for the word of the Lord. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now. For it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Have you ever seen God's love? Have you ever seen God's love? Maybe in an unexpected moment of life, or perhaps as you glanced back over a season of life, or maybe not at all. And I want to say that if you've experienced any one of those, particularly the last, that's okay. Today, I ask this question because today we are celebrating this beautiful moment of baptism. And in baptism, we catch a glimpse of God's love. Because in baptism, God is yearning for us to see the riches of God's love that God has for us. We call baptism and the Feast of Communion sacraments. Sacraments meaning something sacred, some mystery in how God is present through these common things to communicate just how much, how broad, how high, how deep is God's love for us. Common things of washing and baptism and eating and drinking at communion that help us to tangibly grasp God's intangible love. I like to say that sacraments like baptism or communion, um, they're kind of like 
a hug, right? If you were wishing to communicate how much you love or how much affection you have for somebody or how much you're going to miss them, you would wrap your arms around them, right? They can't see what's going on within you, but they know by this embrace the love and affection and care that you have for them and vice versa. In baptism, in communion, but particularly for baptism today as we'll be celebrating it, baptism is a particular way where God reaches out to us to embrace us and welcome us in so that we can see God's love. When we celebrate baptism today, I wanna, I wanna focus on two things in the manner in how we see God's love acted out. And we'll reflect on the story of Jesus' own baptism in those two sequences to get at what we see about God's love and the way that God unfurls God's love for us. We'll start with Jesus' baptism and the way that God comes like a dove, a symbol of the Holy Spirit, kind and gentle, to speak about who we are as God's children, how deeply we're loved. Then secondly, we'll reflect on what John says. We're going backwards a little bit. We'll reflect on John's baptism and how even when John says that, that, that Jesus will baptize with fire and spirit, that even in that, even in a refining, renewing fire, we can see God's love. All right? So first, the story of Jesus' own baptism that I read just a moment ago. We have been, since Christmas, learning about this one called Jesus, the light that has entered into the world, God wrapped in, fle in flesh, one we call a hero, a king, a god, but one who is found in the least of all places, one we wouldn't expect a hero or a king or a god to be in a manger in the last place that was open. But there is this growing chorus of praise that begins first with shepherds who come to adore him, lowly shepherds, and sing his praise. And then wise men who come from far away with gifts of gold and myrrh and frankincense to offer this young one, a king, his gifts. And then angels who sing about him, louding his praises and greatness, this fragile child. We've been learning about this story, and today we've heard how Jesus has grown, and he comes with the mass of people who have turned aside and who are looking for God, looking and yearning to see and to hear God's voice. Just like we, too, perhaps, are yearning to hear and see God. Jesus comes with them, like anyone else, turning aside for this baptism, for the renewal and repentance of sins, as John says. And he goes down into the water as a symbol of dying and comes up as a symbol of washing, but also resurrection and restoration of life. And when he does, the heavens are broken open and the dove, the Holy Spirit as a dove comes to settle upon him. And there is a voice that says, this is my son, the beloved, with him I am well pleased. And finally, this chorus of praise reaches its climax in God entering the story and speaking saying, this is my son, and I love him for who he is and what he does. 
we see God's love for God's own son, Jesus. And so when we are baptized, when we are brought in, we are identified with Jesus. Just like Jesus stand, stood with those people there that day, so through the Holy Spirit, when we're baptized, we stand with Jesus. And what God in heaven says of Jesus, God also confers and says upon us, upon you, you are my child. You are my son. You are my daughter. With you, I am pleased. With you, I delight. I have created you so wonderfully and beautifully well, and I have plans for you. Plans to give you a future and hope. In this, we see God's love for God's son, but God's love for us too. This voice and the Holy Spirit that continues to speak to us about who we are in Christ, God's own children. And it's a beautiful thing. But how often do we listen to other voices? I say this because I'm, I'm mindful of, of the times in my life, particularly in middle school, it was hard times, <laughs> it was hard times. And, and uh, math or science classes, I love math and science, but I was always like two steps slower than everybody else getting their work done. And my friends would be like, oh my gosh, Garrett, you're so slow. My goodness, do we have to wait for you? And this thought of I'm slow, I'm not good enough, I'm dumb, took root deep within, and then affected how I lived out my life. I wasn't going to be a PhD in teaching this stuff, no. But I loved studying math and science, and yet it stifled my pursuit of learning those things. And that wasn't right of me to feel that and embrace it, but, but still, I think that certain things that are told to us, we can take deep within and begin to believe them in our lives. And I wonder what those things are for you. Those narratives that speak contrary to what God would say of you and of us. And I hope this morning you can hear this instead, that God sees you and sees you as a child, so wonderfully and beautifully made, and has wonderful plans for you because of how God has gifted you and made you talented in some really wonderful ways. And God draws us together in a community like this to share those gifts with one another. I hope you see that how deeply God loves you. And I hope that, that as we see these things, we can begin to, to share this as well. As we receive God's love, we also share it, which means that we also begin to name this truth for one another, because we have hard days, right? Where we begin to, to believe those narratives again that aren't true about us, and so we need people around us that help remind us of who we really are, that say to us, you are the beloved, fearfully and wonderfully made and gifted well. We need each other to remind each other of that. We need to not only see that we are identified as God's own, but we need to share that with one another for ourselves to be reminded of this good news, for us, and so that others outside these walls, outside these, this community might come to know that beautiful truth as well. So in baptism, we are embraced by God who loves us deeply as God's own children. But secondly, this moment of, of John's baptism, when he says that God will come spirit and fire and baptize you. 
It's an interesting concept, baptism and fire. I get the dove that's beautiful and wonderful and kind and gentle, but fire? And what I want to communicate in this sense, because it's still important, and I think we can still glimpse God's love as a refining fire, in that people were turning aside, turning from their natural ways and their course of life and how they were doing stuff, to turn aside for a moment and to settle into an openness of God's working in the world in order to be brought into what God might be up to. And when, we, when the people turn aside, particularly the, the Pharisees and everybody, there was this word of, of, of judgment, of saying, are you really right in your heart and mind? And it's all for the purpose, this word of judgment, is not just to judge us, but to lead us to let go of things in order that other things might take root and life-giving experiences might happen in our life as we give ourselves over to the Holy Spirit's work. When I first, um, in order to explain this point, when I first moved here, I began like mountain biking through the pine bush out here, and we're, we're kind of on the edges of the pine bush. And I loved going over the, all the trails, and it's wonderful, and then one, one day, uh, everything was scorched with fire and blackness, and I was like, what gives? Because all my regular mountain biking trails aren't here anymore. And I was really, 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 really mad. <laughs> and then uh, I think it was the Bops who, who told me that every so often, the, fi um, the Pine Brush Society, I, I forget their name, Preservation Society, let's call them that. Uh, hopefully nobody's here from <laughs> society and I've misnamed them. <laughs> Don't take it to heart, just like, you're a child of God. Um, they go in every now and again and, and do these controlled burns in order to bring it back to what it was intended to be, in order that it can flourish according to what it is. And this fire can help refine it and help it to become something beautiful. And I think that this passage can hold the same beautiful truth for us, that, that God comes into our lives just as God came into the world in Jesus. And we're invited to turn aside from just the regular way of doing things and the patterns that we get locked into, to turn inside and be open to what the Holy Spirit might be inviting us to, to let go of. Because we don't always get it right as God's people, and I want to hear that and make that clear, that as a leader here, as a pastor, I don't get it right, and I fall short, and I say or do things that hurt you. And it's important for me to acknowledge that and say that I'm sorry, and that I don't always get it right. And I think turning aside to admit that is a healthy part of being God's people. Because when we work that out, and we're able to say I'm sorry and offer forgiveness back, that creates the opportunity for new life and for harmony to take root and for life to spring up. And what are the parts of maybe your life? Or maybe what are the parts of our life as a community that maybe need to go because we're just stuck in the same ruts and rhythms that aren't helpful or healthy? And how can we work toward being a community that truly embodies the humility of Christ and the selfless love of Christ as well? I think it invites us into a point of reflection, of openness to the Holy Spirit's movement and guidance about those things and directing us to what might be, to a future of, of hope and justice and peace. And in this is God's own love to give us those things. So today as we celebrate baptism, it is about us being named as children of God, but it's also about God's commitment to us 
to invite us on a lifelong journey of renewal. Let's pray. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit that is ever with us, always inviting us to know deeply that we are your own, and that even though we stray or fall short, that you won't let us go, but that you'll always be with us and show us how much we are forgiven, and that you have a future for us beyond what we can see sometimes. Speak to us these truths, here and now and always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.